Snake and Banter is brought to you by Esports Bet. Now, you may know I often point out a first time deposit bonus where you can use our referral link and get 50% on up to 200 USDT when you deposit any form of crypto. But they also now have an alternate offer if that doesn't somehow tickle your fancy and get you interested. The alternate offer is a risk free first bet up to 100 USDT. Now, technically, anyone can get this risk free first bet if they've never deposited before and they can get up to 30 USDT. Back on the bet if they indeed lose it. But if you are one of ours, some of the people following our content, and you go and you speak to the mods of esports bet, go on the Discord, and you tell them IOE Insight and Esports sent you, they will give you up to a hundred USDT back on a potential first bet that you might have lost. So you can have a no-risk little cheeky chance to have a go on esports bet and see what you think of it. Right, this is going to be another episode of Snake and Banter. Obviously, this was a major part of the content offensive I got at the moment. I thought, right, I've got to drop the big guns. I've got to drop, like, reflections with Forrest in CSGO. I've got reflections with LS. He's sort of like, like, a, like a visionary thinker in League of Legends. And then, of course, the Snake and Banter with Freya. That's the big trio. We're coming in this hot this week, boys. You never knew this content was possible, but we're in here, okay? Maui Snake's even got a short, military-grade haircut. He's living in Canavitza <laughs> for the next month. No one knows what's going on every up is down oh, yeah. is there I know. That's, well i don't care about that is that really has made you look about 10 years younger mate for real well okay well i lost i actually lost like six kilograms out like at the same time the player break okay. was really good for me <laughs> yeah so I, well, I lost weight and then i decided to shave to accentuate how no you messed it up you messed it up <laughs> because basically it looks like it's just the haircut made you lose oh, no, you probably, yeah, apparently you did a really good job you're in the gym working and everyone's like oh nice haircut like what the fuck that, that, that was really hard. I'm was, just, oh. I'm brutally humble <laughs> to my own accomplishments. You know? like, yeah, just, it actually is, it, it downplays so much of how much I achieved in terms of, uh, in, in terms of upping my nutrition. Okay. But that's okay. That's okay. And by the way, if people are wondering, because obviously it's not that often that the people who are behind the mic asking the questions get to actually give their opinions. Like, first of all, if people don't know, obviously we did all the Flashpoint 2 stuff with Flair back in the day. All of us were on this call now. But I actually, even back then, obviously we included you in all the skits and stuff. I, by the way, if anyone wants, just go back and watch the news re reader sketch. I can't remember what it's called, but like Flashpoint News or something. Yeah, it, that's held up like a motherfucker. It's really good, I'm telling you. Like All the references are straight fire. Half the jokes even still work. Like You can sort of still remember them because half of them are like, like you know, Australia sort of a proper lineup like it's actually a lot of it still maintains to this day they all <laughs> straight fire so and also here's the thing people don't know i obviously had that big brains episode that i brought freer on what people don't know is this i always try to explain this to them there's some people in esports freer who are in your position where like for example frankie came from the mainstream she actually worked for the bbc and other companies and then she came along into esports i think she even came to league of legends first and then initially then she came to csgo eventually right so she's more in her position from a pure position of professionalism that was her career it's a broadcast career People don't know. You were actually just a fan back in the day, right? In fact, I remember what's mad is people won't remember this. I actually remember when I first saw your stuff because you you just did these like super low level, like basic, like video interviews or something from events, wasn't it? Yeah, and, like yeah. you did one or two. I remember like retweeted one or something. And then you just got picked up by face it like a year or two later. So you actually just, just a fan of CS back in like seven, eight years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the happy one that was one of the first ones that I did way back in DreamHack, Malmo. That must like have been a while ago then because he hasn't yeah. been in the game yeah. for about <laughs> half a decade. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> 
Indeed, indeed. So no, yeah, so people don't know. Freya definitely has watched loads of the games and has her own takes. And, all. and I'll even add this detail that people might not know. that For Flashpoint 2, where we had those sort of like retrospective videos of stuff like Taco's story and like MIBR or whatever, and we had like some like historical videos. People don't know. Freya did those all herself. She just came up with the whole concept, scripted them, wrote it, like got someone to edit it all together. That wasn't like the whole team did that or I did that. Like she did that all herself anyway. So let's get into it, right? Let's test your thoughts about the current scene. So we have a rule here which is the guest always has to start with the first topic. But luckily, the first topic is the positive one. It's the good one. So what is good at the moment in the world, Freya? What are you enjoying right now? Put positive spin on something that maybe people said was a bit negative. Obviously, the whole G2 conversation. There's been a lot of uh, critics for, oh, for obviously, sure. some of the new new joinings. Um, but I want to focus on Manasi because I think he did a really good job at, um, at the full groups. Um, got his, I guess, last game in the MVP, but he was the highest rated player at the tournament, got his first MVP, got his first ace as well, which kind of, like, shocked me a little bit, like, versus with G2, because um, I didn't realise that that was his first one, um, which yeah, is kind of yeah. nuts, yeah. Um, but I, I just think, like, with all the changes that were going on with G2, and then I'm sure most people have read that XS interview as well, where he was saying, you know, I want to give Manasi more space, I want him to be more proactive, I want him to take more responsibility... I think we kind of saw that immediately coming into effect from him, particularly in that Vitality game uh, where they qualified for the Royal Arena. Because um, that was a rematch, obviously, from earlier in the tournament where I think it was like like 16-3, 16-5, 16-8 or something like that, um, where it was, you know, really decisive to either side. And then this one was like, you know, the marathon match, the longest game I think we had there. Um, and particularly in the final map, um, I think he was super instrumental <coughs> in terms of actually uh, closing out for G2. Um, and even in the map, the Vitality one, which is uh, Dust 2, the second one, um, he was still really hanging in, in there. And I think that was a really sort of positive sign from him where we've been wanting to see a more consistent monarchy. Obviously, we've seen him, you know, pulling off some really, really impactful plays. Um, but just the consistency element was really, really good to see. I think he only had like two negative ratings throughout the entire tournament, um, which I think is really impressive considering there's kind of a whole new system being integrated with them as well. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to just start off by giving, yeah, props to him. That's my good point. It seemed like with Alexi B, I well, I, I'm assuming this now essentially with with Hooksy and with what X has said about wanting to give Monacy more freedom, <coughs> is he was much more mobile, I would say, at the fall groups than what I saw before. Because before I would actually harp on some of the times when I would see him play for G2 where he would look very static. It looked like they almost wanted to use him as a turret. And I just thought that's just because they don't, he doesn't know what to do in terms of what's the next move, where should he go next to be on the map and to be more dynamic. They were probably rel relying a lot more on the rifler uh, power for G2. And now I, th I, I think they're just taking the leash off. They're letting him go wherever he wants to go. And that's making him su such a, incredibly deadly force because you know every time i watched him play nuke back in the day it was just like why is he playing heaven every single round and now he played vitality on it and he didn't have like a crazy game but he was moving around a little bit more he's just it seems like he's either finding out plays for people to run to help him out or and he's just bringing those to the table and they're saying yes or <clears throat> he's just he's just doing whatever he feels like and I, they should at this point trust him to do what he feels like because he has the skill to be such a game-breaking player to to be on that level of mechanical 
ability with people like simple in terms of speed and consistency in terms of accuracy so for him to have this opportunity to show what he's actually made of with under hooksy or i may maybe kind of like not under hooksy maybe he's just kind of doing what he feels like I, i'm love i'm loving this look of monesty because it seems like he's going to now ascend and probably have much more onus in terms of where the team goes Sure. I've got a few points for that. One on the whole ace thing. I agree, though. That's one of those weird things where if you ever see those stats, they always never make sense in your brain. Like, I'll give you a random one. You, they'll always get those stats where people are like, did you know in his career, Simple's only ever done two 1v5s? And you think, like, what? I'm pretty sure I see him do one, like, every game, don't I? Like, what? But in your, but apparently those stats are real. Like, if you ever go look them up, it's actually very rare how and, and almost no one's ever done, like, a 1v5 and stuff as a clutch or whatever. Like, it really is, like, super, super insanely rare, even though your brain it feels like it's every frag movie in it. Then on the whole Odyssey thing, right there's a few angles to this i think which is one i personally have tried to temper expectations for this player the whole time he's been in g2 because i think the most unfair part is it's like when lucky came in astralis it's like you just throw this guy in tier one lands immediately and then it's not just you're at the land you're at the land you're supposed to go like the semi-final every time and if you don't you've failed and you're going to go head to head with like ziwoo and simple and then everyone is just going to look and go opa versus opa like did you have to succeed it's like you shouldn't even be shouldn't even be considered on that level like that's not even really a career path normally you go and look teams like if he was in team spirit for example he wouldn't have any of the scrutiny he does now we'd have games where he popped off and everybody like wow what a sick player can't wait for him like just like dexter or even the wonderful guy now like but he wouldn't have the same scrutiny so i do think unfortunately the whole g2 circus and the whole x stars and carlos and nico that's all just like impinging on monesty in a way it sort of shouldn't now at the same time though obviously it is an insane opportunity like if you can make use of that allah the bits of the world and if lucky could have like yeah it also it does give you a chance to potentially boost your whole career way further than it would be so I've generally sort of like tried to be like, look, let's not expect him to be a star. Let's not put too much pressure on him. But I do also think if you look, it does look like they've changed something up since Hooksy came in. Because mm. the thing is, if I even think of Alexi B, what I always try to do with the IGLs is just think, what was their last situation like? What is their track record like? So if you think about Orpas Alexi B's worked with, it's only really two people at the pro level. It's Alu and it's Mantu. That's it. And the problem there is, as you might obviously be able to infer by the end situation, Alu has his own strong opinions about what he wants to do and absolutely is self-motivated opera is going to go where he wants so I imagine for him Alexi B doesn't have to like control him he's just going to do his shit anyway and I think if anything I would imagine Mantu was on the opposite side I think Mantu's another one of those players is why Alexi B has this rep that he has to micromanage everyone that's a guy who hadn't been tier one if people don't know the story with Mantu was he wasn't an opera before he joined Dense uh, OG rather right and as a result he, he had to learn that on the fly and also he got no lands he had the first like year and a half was just all online pretty much so in that scenario like I think it's a really difficult situation to bring up a young player like this because the idea is you want him to one day be simple as he would, but he isn't right now. But at the same time, you have to let him make the mistakes. You have to give him the freedom to do that. Yeah. So I also imagine like the moving around of the pieces has also seems like it's actually created more space for him in that regard. I wonder if they even almost cynically knew like you can't just throw him in the deep end when he first came into the lineup. But the difference is, I would say if you look over the time he's been in the team, I do think you've seen gradual improvement. It's just it wasn't like the real problem is the bits and the zeros have ruined like what being a rookie is for all these fans they really think everyone just hits the ground running is like the MVP it's like that's not going to happen and also you're just never going to get you're not going to start with all the space and resources in a team with Nico and Hunter and all these guys and like the, the point of joining the team wasn't to be the player like you're joining to be another player so I think the cool thing for me is if they 
can ever get it figured out. Because obviously the Nico Hunter angle in theory works. Like in their team, he should essentially be in like the bit role where you have like, you, you have Simple, he's already set up for everything. You have Electronic, who's amazing as well. But then if you can bring this third guy in, the games you do have a big game like this, you're going to push him over the edge. Because I do think like G2 had no business beating Vitality in that series. Monty basically just hard carried. Like he had a bunch of games where he, no one could expect he was going to produce like that. So I thought, yeah, he's been a massive. I don't have any real criticisms against him. I, I think that's mm. actually a good shout for good in this. It's probably one of the only almost entirely good additions to G2. Looks like it's great for the future. It's going to work out. Probably was worth the money in the end. I think it's tracking pretty well so far. And actually, if anything, they've got so many problems elsewhere. This thing finally coming online now and him getting really good. This is the perfect time. Like, this, this actually might fucking drag them out of whatever issues they're in and give them a chance running into playoffs into the major. It could maybe even happen in that sense. Because I, like I say, I'd... I, I don't know, like, the rest of G2 definitely has plenty of problems still, but this guy seems like he doesn't. He seems set. And also, here's the other thing to remember. I always try to add this in. Luckily, if as long as he plays well, whether this is the lineup or not, he'll still be there. The point is, right now, like, pretty sweet, if you're making, like, the list of, like, who you'd replace, he's, like, next to Nico on, like, the cannot-be-cut list right now. You'd obviously keep this guy for the next year or so. So he's going to be some part of G2 in any way going forwards as it is. Anyone yeah. else got anything on that topic or we jump into the next one? I guess quickly by the numbers, I, ju I just decided to look him up. He, this is the fall groups. This is the most kills per round he's ever had for G2. Uh, it's this basically, basically the least deaths per round he's ever had in an event for G2. And it's by far the best rating that he's put up for G2 in an, any event. So, I mean, just, I, just looking at the numbers on top of what everything that he was doing in the series that I caught, I mean, it all just, it all just clicks right there. So yeah, again, great point. Yeah, sure. Like go there, Maui. What is your good point? My, my good point is shifting it to the the talent discussion, which I know every fan loves uh, so much. But uh, it's it's that Henry G is back. It's that yeah. I, I think that I think that it's. It actually... just fucked up that our jobs is to talk about the game, but it is I true. Know. Every chance and just talk about ourselves, <laughs> isn't it? Like yeah, sure. Me, my friends, and all the in jokes that you guys don't know. It's like it is a bit self indulgent. Go on, hit me with it. Go guys, on, I'm go. actually hanging out with yeah. Right? Hey, go so, on. Exactly. So I mean, Henry G being back, I think is is a really is really great for the scene. Obviously, he had a really rough falling out. I'm not going to get into all the details about that but it's it's nice to see that he's in a way landing on his feet kind of probably coming back because crypto is doing so badly but at the same time i'm sure. i'm happy to see him being being a back part of the broadcast that loss is our game exactly exactly, exactly. <laughs> all that, that sea of red that he was looking at he had to look at something else yeah so i i think that with with him coming back something that he's added and i've already i've already noticed this in just a day uh and a little bit of watching today because by the time we're recording this it's day two of pro league he it's just that he the way he carries himself in a studio environment i forgot was this pleasant it's it's really nice to just listen to him for long form broadcasts like this where you know like there, there is such thing as listener fatigue like everybody is a victim to this especially when you go through something like a huge pro league where you're on for five five weeks at a time or whatever it is it's nice to just get some new blood in there and i'm not saying like the, that anybody who's in the position right now working pro league consistently is bad, but you do the variety variety just helps a lot. Like I don't want to hear even the best casters every single time, especially for studio type type work, because you know, like in that duo between Henry and Sato, the thing is like, we remember so many of the Sato moments so vividly because he had some excellent wordplay to highlight these, these brilliant stadium moments. But actually when I think back at it, a lot of the studio times, I think Henry was probably to me, the more engaging person, the, like sometimes often the more interesting one, which is perfect for him to come back in a situation like pro league, where I think his, his life experience really shines. 
Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to actually get to see him a little bit. I know it's a little bit of a hint on maybe I'll be at Pro League, perhaps later on. Um, but yeah, he maybe. was, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Watch the space. Um, but yeah, he, he came to, he was in the groomer in Cologne, like randomly. I walked in there on the grand final day and I was like, oh my God, Henry, like I haven't seen him in ages. I haven't actually worked that many events with him because he was doing a lot of, um, when he was doing the ECS stuff, like back a few years ago, um, he'd do a lot of the studio time with just like Bardolf and DDK um, out in Santa Monica, which, which I didn't do too much of. So I'd only really see him at the finals, but um, yeah, he's always just like a super pleasant person to be around, super knowledgeable as well about like a lot of things, which is amazing. Um, weirdly, we were born in the same town as well, which is super random. Oh. Going, went to the same pub growing up. Very oh, wow. Southern England, you know? Every, it all comes back to the south of the UK. <laughs> I can't really say there's many similarities between you and Henry, but fair play. I guess, yeah. I guess you've got the whole spectrum covered in that one little town, apparently. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> right, here's the thing. What I actually also think, Maui, on the point you're making as well, like, was one of the things I've always found weird about Pro League is when they do the group part, like to me, they could build this as like a massive competition. Like it's prestigious. Like you've got like, the, they could do it because so, it's supposed to be one of the major, pro, like obviously Pro League's run the whole time of ESL. It's supposed to be like one of the flagships along with, you know, the prestige events, the Cologne, the kind of eats. It's why they put it into the Grand Slam and all that jazz. But one thing I found weird is whenever you come to the group stage, it does always feel like people start off with like fuck around energy. That's why if you notice even like loads of the teams get in trouble, like three series in where they're like, wait a minute, we have to actually win all these to get out of the group. Like, everyone just comes in and it, because it feels like casting's like that as well. They don't start like just one of the biggest, it's not like the major. Like, everyone starts at like sort of like the fun vibe, if you notice. And by the way, that is what Henry was always the king of, is that vibe is essentially like the podcast vibe while you're doing a fucking live game. But the crucial thing is, the game itself has to be one where like it doesn't really deserve like the gra Like, Fnatic versus Navi doesn't deserve the gravitas of like a major, does it? Like, some of it's going to be fucking around. Some of it might be one team smashing the other one. So, even though what What's funny is because it was his whole circle of people who were in the casting world everyone's going to think that vibe comes from like sponge and machine and stun it it's like no henry's the actual engine of that they're like the fucking they're like they're, they're like they like plug into his source in that regard like, he's actually the ringleader on all that people doing all those in jokes all that fucking vibe the sort of switching to podcast that's his whole shit that's it that's the way he does it and it's perfectly suited for this sort of event as well like obviously it all worked very well on the cs summits as well but i actually also think the group stage of this tournament until it gets to the playoffs people just can't somehow engage that it's actually a serious tournament so for this point yeah if you want to have a bit of a let off steam and by the way even more perfect someone's just coming back you haven't seen him in ages it's exactly when you want him to fuck around and show off personality and make it fun because as you're saying we like it's going to be different because you've just heard all the other top casters just do their best cast impression every game also by the way as an aside i'll just throw this out there like this is one of the areas where it's weird that our workers talent because i also do at the same time fuck with talent a little bit which is like i also do think as much as i love the harrys and the scrawnies it's like Step your game up. The king's back. That's all I'm saying. Henry's here now. You aren't you just shadow boxing against the legend. You have to actually do it. You have to be better than him now. So do it. Show me the level up. Show me how good you are. Show me that you're the best. That should hire you. So yeah, I think it's great in general. I don't think there's really any downside to that. Obviously, that whole angle like the crypto one is a bit bad. By the way, one thing I thought I thought was mad is obviously people because of the Cloud Nine stuff and some other stuff did sort of turn against Henry and like didn't like him or whatever. But one thing I found really bizarre is he also got that thing where people just kept telling him like. 
fucking just scamming everyone with crypto. It's like, I've never seen any evidence that like, what he was doing was ever a scam in any way. Or, like, as far as I can tell, it's just the people who think like all cryptos are scammers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because that yeah. angle never made sense because they were all, and the whole thing, also the other thing, I'll just say this for the millionth time, even though it'll never be remembered by fans. That Cloud9 lineup wasn't the team Henry G tried to select. Like, I was with him when he was going through all the names. And the joke is, if you had a shortlist of like 50 names, those were like the bottom ones. And some of those, as you can imagine, the Messies weren't even on the list. The list, by the way, was fire. It was like Cold Zero, Nico, fucking like, you know, Zip Nicks, like go down there, like keep going, like fucking whatever you want. Like, uh, like even good ones like Jacob, JK. They were, these were all people on this. People don't know it was in a scenario where, without going into a whole side, thing basically you can't just make teams from scratch like the top players already want to join with other certain top players or cause like they don't just join a team out of nowhere like that's the problem Nico's not just going to join as your first player because he knows as soon as he signs you could just sign four shit players and you just ruined his whole career so like I don't think that whole thing people went way too far with that they think that was I... like they think Henry G had like you know unlimited budget he picked all these players and also I noticed they, they retell the story in the most whack way they act like he like when he obviously was joking Maui Stick it was so obvious when he said the whole like Colossus because it was supposed to directly battle the juggernaut the meme juggernaut, yeah. of yeah, call which yeah, it, yeah. it was intentionally tongue in cheek he obviously was joking <laughs> do people act now like you know, he said it would be a fucking Colossus like he didn't really mean that he didn't really think like Floppy and Zeppo when they were in there were going to fucking smash everyone's head did they like, <laughs> that's beggar's belief like listen blame people for the mistakes they made not the like imaginary ones we all have so let's move on then here's my good point oh, do you have a point do you have a final well, point just that I, I've never really seen fans root so vehemently against a team oh, as it was wild, Cloud9 yeah. one. It was so strange, yeah. But you don't really get... Like, even even teams that put a lot of money into their projects, like like FaZe or G2 or Vitality, people don't prey on their downfall in the way that they did just because Henry was attached to the Cloud9 brand there. Oh, no, the, he, the like, joke is... It. Yeah, yeah. The only other team I've ever seen that with, by the way, was the recent EG, and I think it's just because people need that oh, okay. money. That's about the only comparable one, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with you. Dude, there's plenty of teams that have spent loads of money and never got this abuse. What are you going to say, Freya? Oh, just the fact that he was so open with, like, the buyouts and stuff as well, right? He was trying yes. to start that as, like, yes. a trend for teams, and everyone was like, yes, but still he got so much shit. Oh, you know, the sickest else. thing about that detail as well is the real reason that fucked him is because obviously his team quickly died out and it never continued, right? If that had continued and it had actually ever caught fire as a trend, that would have paid dividends on itself. Fans don't get this. Here's why that would have been amazing. Because you're all laughing now, like, oh, look how much Zipnix was getting paid. But what you don't know is if the other salaries had been revealed, like people like Fallen, etc., you would have had a nasty time when you saw what they get paid. Like the story later on we might be mentioning about Evil Geniuses players. If you really knew what these guys got paid they wouldn't just be getting flamed for the server time mate everyone would have been getting flamed it actually would have changed the whole industry like in that regard i even think he sort of like took one for the team in that regard like if it had worked that would have been a fucking really revolutionary moment in counter-strike that could actually maybe even if his team had failed leveled up the whole scene because if people really knew football style where everyone makes there's a lot of like moves that suddenly aren't so debatable of like, like obviously the jks one for call was a classic one right people forget it but like the real reason why i know richard goes so ham on the jks angle is because they were paying this guy like Nico money like you're all going no but he was he was all right he had like a 1.0 on this map it's like they're paying him Nico money mate like he isn't there to just be like doing a 1.0 like I can get that guy out of the server any day so yeah that topic I feel like really got missed but anyway here's my good one I have another good one that's actually very topical moment I'm just I've just phrased it as Spinks's integration into Vitality because again look there's there's probably some wiggle room on the Vitality topic I actually do think by the way I think they're tracking great everything looks awesome since he's joined seems like they're putting piece by piece by piece in place the team looks 
look like it generally levels up. I actually do think with the, the massive space in the scene outside of Na'Vi and FaZe, and by the way, even FaZe, when it's not like a major, could lose a game. You see that. Like, they, they definitely drop down when it's a random group stage. I think this team has a real shot to be, like, third best team. I think they're in, piece, in place if you look at the pieces, if you look at, like, the map pool already looks good. Everything's coming together. And this guy, this was the key part because he was so good at ends. You could worry about this. I've seen players before where they're the big fish in the small pond, and for all you know, maybe Snappy just set the whole team up and was giving him everything and making him look as good as possible. But actually, it doesn't seem like that's the case because I doubt they've given him all the resources and vitality. He looks fucking great immediately. Like, I haven't really been underwhelmed in any way. I actually thought it looks awesome. So to me, I just look at the future and I just think, mate, if you've got Zewu and then you have like a world-class rifler and that's my two. And remember, in that world, then my role players are fucking Dupree and Magus. Like, now we're cooking with gas, boys. Now we can, that, this could really be something. Yeah, I think just the way he's integrated with that, like, specific role really fit the Vitality sort of team well. I think that was kind of what, as much as I loved Masuta and, you know, always have a place in my heart, I feel like this is obviously just a clear pound for pound upgrade. Um, and then hearing like, a couple of uh, Apex interviews where he was just saying, yeah, he's taken really well into uh, the whole, like, team system. And I, I think, actually, it was maybe a conversation I was having with you, Maui, but just, like, the difference in calling style from Snappy to Apex like it's it's obviously going to be a huge difference it's not going to be as many like off spawn calls um and so forth so yeah i think he's just his whole attitude as well and obviously uh, the full groups we were you know around the players and we could sit and listen to their comms and stuff and how much input he was having already also really impressed me i think it's just kind of clear that the whole machine uh, despite not qualifying for the royal arena yet Obviously, they'll be going to showdown, um, which is a shame. But I think it does spell good things, particularly when you're looking at the Zywoo performance coming off of that as well um, and how consistent he was kind of looking over, over the course of the entirety of the four groups. That's how you know, by the way, Freya interviews all these guys, knows them all on like a personal bit. Because I would be told so the opposite. I would have just been like, and of course he's replacing Masuta, who I thought was shit, obviously. He's getting out of the team. But you're just like, oh, we'll miss you, Masuta. Like, it was good value. You know, times changed. We had to move on. Like, fair play. Okay, that's one way to say it. Yeah. yeah, I well the the yeah the fact that he's able to to work in this vitality style uh, it's is really I mean it just it, it's a testament to how strong he is as an individual player and the when I think it was I think it was Banks that interviewed him or basically it was on a blast interview right and he talked about oh, no wait was this with Heku actually. God, okay, who cares, whatever. Spinks was Spinks was in an interview recently, whether it was at Pro League or it was at Blast, and he talked about how the, the interviewer asked who, like, how is it moving from Snappy to under uh, Apex? And actually, Spinks didn't even refer to the fact that Apex was calling. He was like, oh, it's just cool that in this team everybody talks. You know, like, he's just, okay. he was saying that, you know, even the Danish guys talk, even I, I talk sometimes, I give some, some reads. And then he talked about how Snappy's like a little bit more, just kind of by the book in terms of this, the way the round's gonna start and the way the round's gonna finish. And then there's some kind of stuff in between there. But with uh, the way he was able to succeed at the fall groups, he it, it looked like he could handle that sort of style. Because sometimes when you do take a player out of that really just kind of almost like ABC structure, you end up seeing that ooh, that was kind of the reason that they were succeeding. But that's clear. Like Spinks clearly has a great feel for the game. And even when he had to change some spots, like the, the fact that he's playing think like long on dust two for now usually that's where you, where you put your worst player yeah, yeah. on that a was team. the valde spot yeah yeah and then now he's now he's just owning from it he's pushing it out <coughs> he's uh like some of some of his positions right now he's just 
going above and beyond what you would want for a role player there. That, and that's such a huge bolster to Vitality. And I think it's safe to say that Vitality should be very shortly a, a top five ranked team. And if you want to even go by the eye test, they should probably be like a top four, top three team. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially because, like I say, in my opinion, once you get the stars in place, like when you have super experienced core like they do, they can fit around other people. I'd even say that's actually the, in my opinion, one of the career trajectories of a great player is like when you can't win anymore, just like in basketball, Maui, like you have to become like a sick fucking role player or guy off the bench or whatever. But if you do that, you're going to win more championships. It's like you kind of know, you know what it takes. And also I've always thought, you know what the stars need, you know what they need around them. So, and that's why I say, I phrase it that way. Like if Dupree and Magus are your supportive elements slash entries, like mate, you're going to have a fucking bagging team. Like this is going to be pretty good and even better for them. They don't have the same expectations you don't have to do which i do think people were doing in the last lineup when they first made this lineup because again listen people know behind the scenes those players were not cheap those players were people that had maybe a bidding war for them and could have been in other organizations where it was going to be the two danes and zonic you know we're going as a package somewhere well that also sort of implied like if we're a package like we're super valued pieces so i think people did actually initially expect either dupree or magus to basically be a hltv top 20 player and that was what was going to complete vitality whereas sadly i do think that's what you did saw you saw in the first half of the year is that that wasn't going to happen like realistically dupree could have the odd tournament where he did that but if you look like eye test he was never going to be like what electronic or these sorts of players do online like that was that wasn't a realistic but if he doesn't have to if he just has to be and again a piece around these two i think this team can do it mate i, I think actually so many of those things we've discussed on past episodes like different language like oh the culture clash and sonic has to it's like yeah that is true but if you keep making the players better and better and better like eventually you're going to find something that works in that regard you know you've got you've got absurd talent in this team so right let's move on then what is now? We're going to flip now to the side people don't see as often for free. What, what is bad about Counter-Strike right now? What is bad in the scene right now? Yeah, I really picked? had to dig deep, you know. I'm a positive person. I'm like the maniacs of the world. Um, but I think for me, the bad thing recently is kind of like, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a wider topic, but like just sole Danish teams and what we saw coming off of the player break. So okay. obviously Astralis, Heroic, didn't qualify for the Royal Arena. They can yeah, do yeah. a showdown, but just because of the format of Blast, only one team from EU and one team from NA showdown make it through. So perhaps one of these Oh, only two... one of them can go, right? I see. Exactly. Right. And then Vitality's in the mix. So uh, there's already three names there that should oh, really, yes. in yes, theory, exactly. be making it there, yeah. um, which is a, a, a real shame. Um, and then to add into the mix with Astralis, obviously they're rmr qualifier run as well the fact that they had to go to the last rmr qualifier sure. they did make it through um but that clashed with obviously the full groups as well so i think that was probably somewhat of the reason that the og game um ended up going in favor of og and they ended up qualifying as the first team um just because glaive was saying in an interview before he was like we haven't had as much time to practice and prepare for og specifically because you know we've got the rmr qualifier that we actually really need to be making it through um, which they did luckily, but then meant that they fell um, against OG. And then obviously they had FaZe in the last game, which did actually come kind of close. Um, yeah, yeah. I think just looking at them um, and their kind of run through the full groups as well, a, a lot of it was down to Glaive, just kind of like bailing them out of some of the situations, which for me is a shame because I think a lot of us were hoping that maybe over the player break, there might be a change, a few changes. And then we had that quote from, um, I, believe, I believe it was the coach, uh, coming out of Cologne and saying, we're not going to make any changes over the break, which I think was a disappointment mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Um, and then going hand in hand with that as well is um, just kind of heroic and how lackluster they felt in the groups as well. Um, 
I, I think it's kind of, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time for Yabby to be coming in and like fully integrating and stuff. We saw him in Cologne, so I'm at four groups, almost with Sim at Pro League. Um, but for me, it's just a little bit of a shame. Like maybe this is kind of selfish, but last year in Royal Arena, like the amount of Danish families you would see there going to support mostly Astralis, arguably. Yeah, um, of course. Heroic got booed quite a lot, um, which is actually really funny. They did a piece of content with, uh, I think it was with Stan, and they were like, oh, what's your, what's your favorite Blast memory? And he was like, I only have one. And it was getting booed on stage. So I guess that is. Because <laughs> you know the worst thing? People forget this as well. I think Kay didn't even set himself up because I think he even said something mad in an interview before they went to that event. Because this is where people forget. Like, like I always say in esports, your reputation takes time to catch up to actually what you've done in esports. It's like that with teams. Because you know what? At the time of the Blast Fall, like Heroic was far away the number one team from Denmark. They were like the whatever, like the third best team in the world yeah. at the time. And so I'm sure Cadian naively really thought like, this is it. I'm going to come in the arena and I'm going to be the one they cheer for, not Astralis and Glaive. Like they're going to, and then the joke is yeah. it, was, it was totally the opposite. And he even said some line like, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot of jerseys and cheers. And then like, as you say, it was like, just getting just booed crickets. by your hometown yeah. crowd. Like, what the hell? Like, oh, that was so brutal. I know. He was orping as well. Like yeah, he probably was, really oh. thought he was going to come in and absolutely own them. And oh. obviously he didn't. Um, but I just think, I, I don't know. I think I was looking for something a bit more inspiring from, I was hoping for a change from Astralis. Um, it's, during the play break, obviously. Oh, yes, of course. That it was implied. Yes. But, yeah, like, I, I think that was a shame just to kind of see the struggle. And, yeah, I don't know, potentially no sole Danish representatives. At yeah, that is wild. Yeah, basically, the four finals yeah. just might not have any Danish team. Like, you might have, like, Carrigan or something, obviously, but it might not have yeah. any Danish team. Yeah, that, I mean, it'll definitely mess with the crowd. Yeah, this is a topic that's kind of tough to unpack in terms of where to go with it entirely. Mm. I'll, we'll talk about, we'll, we're going to talk about Heroic more, but so what I want to, I guess, say in terms of general feeling, because I don't know, I'm getting, I'm, this is a bit, this is definitely a bit of an extrapolation, but when the more I get integrated with European culture and living here and everything, I do kind of notice things about like Denmark that maybe you guys can, may, might have takes on, but it's just that, it feels like some of these companies with with Denmark orgs, I guess, feel very bottom line oriented where it feels like and it, it almost feels like once they get to uh, this kind of above water sort of territory in terms of earnings, there isn't always the biggest incentive to go above and beyond to actually be the big spender uh, at that point. And I know that there's like basically like once you hit certain tax brackets in and earning numbers in in Black, oh, it gets wild not, in the Nordic region, yeah. Yeah, in, in Denmark especially, yes. you just start you start to like lose so much, like your taxes become insane, and it almost just like pushes you away from trying to become uh, like a, a a team or an org or any or any kind of business that goes just like world class in terms of like Fortune five hundred type status. It, it feels like that would just that wouldn't behoove you at all. So it almost just kind of like it just chops it off. Like you get to a certain position and then it's like just chops off any any further desire because you know that you're just going to get punched down by by taxes. And I don't know if that sort of feeling is like pervades to these orgs or what because that's how Astralis reads to me right now. Like they they have their legacy that which was like a huge huge like that was one of the best things for that that team that org everything and now they kind of ride that with basically making minimal moves and and kind of letting things simmer for a lot longer than they probably should in terms of where that team is like i don't know if people still really think zipnik should be there i don't know if people really think farlick should be there still if you want to put together the best team that should carry forward the astralis brand Looks like you want to jump in there for did you have a point you were going to say oh yeah no i think it's just that i think the farley angle um it's it's a real shame 
And I think the whole device discussion with him not coming back to NIP, there being just literally no clear path for him and when he, if, when he's ever going to come back, which team it would be for. Yes. Um, and I think that's kind of reared its head once again, because it's been, <clears throat> what, a year and a half since we've seen him play? Was it Flashpoint 3? Was that his last tournament? No, no, he did He did play at the end of last year. He played at like IEM in December. So it's about, it's about nine months now. Yeah yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I think just yeah. that kind of discussion around him potentially coming back, um, I don't know. You, you're always going to have like big shoes to fill, even with Farley, oh, you know, sure. not coming in straight for him. Um, but I think that's where the conversation's kind of almost turned back to. It's like, okay, he's just never going to play for NIP again. He clearly yeah, doesn't yeah. want to play for them. Um, who would he benefit? Obviously, going back to to Astralis. Yeah, I will say, by the way, that is one part I do think is mad unfair. It's like, not only when they had Lucky, even though they implied publicly they were keeping him, like, everyone sort of knew they obviously weren't going to, but with the Farley pickup, like, I almost think that's, like, a bad faith pickup, mate, because that pickup is, like, a player who was marginally better than the Lucky guy. If I actually think, sadly, he sort of under underperformed in this Astralis. I wonder how they actually set him up, because I, I thought he was a better player when I watched him play in other teams. I thought he'd be way more explosive than he is in this team. He doesn't seem to do much, so uh, that's another thing, is almost the entire time he has been in the team, Farley, this rumor about devices existed. Like, that's whack. Like, especially by the way, if he never comes and joins Astralis. Like, if I'm Farley, it's like, why do you put that pressure on me? Like, why do you make me think basically I have to actually play at a level I can't play at because it's like the greatest player ever for my country and that he's coming in and replacing me any minute now? Like, like how, how am I supposed to in good faith engage with the project and believe this is where I'm going to be in a year and, you know, like, trust teammates that they'll trust me? Like, they're just waiting for device to come in the door. So I do hate that angle. It's a bit whack. On your point, Maui Snake, you're sort of right. I do think, basically, that is what Danish esports is right now. I think it's gotten to the point where you sort of just min-max to stay at, like, as you say, a good level. Like, it's not... Like, pretty swear, right now, even, they're getting the dream, which is because the top 10 so weak. They got to, like, number four in the world and then we have to do that much. So, like, if anything, yeah. it's hard to argue. Like, the moment it's working as a strategy then they're not fools but i do agree what's whack is this if this was a phase clan or a g2 and you were at the position of stralis is this is exactly where it's the opposite you'd be like right who can we buy buy this guy or this guy like this is where we go to the top like you know we, we this, in fact the joke is if if they, if it was the exact same teams but with the finances and the thoughts of g2 they would have signed device already like everyone would have like heroic and astralis would be in a bidding war right now and the premise would be whoever gets device goes to the top of the world like that's what we're all about but that is very much more the american mentality for sports obviously and sort of the big spender just go for the championship approach whereas I don't get the vibe that's what they're doing and obviously if you follow any of the stuff me and Richard have talked about and buy the numbers with Astralis I suspect that was never really the plan I think the plan was to parlay having the greatest CS go team into sell the org for like 50 700 million or something and then get get your big payout and if you know what's going on in League of Legends the implications they're going to make a big payout there by selling the LEC spot for like four times what it was worth or something so the, the business world as usual intrudes and sometimes actually pushes a Side the competitive world, unfortunately. So I'll bring it to a, a bigger point, which is I think the, the point you make about the four finals, as you say, it's a bit more indulgent for you because you might be at the four finals and you want them to be there and the crowds go. But I, it's actually a bigger point about Counter Strike that people will know, which is one of the reasons everyone respects Denmark so much is once upon a time, Sweden was the best fucking country in Counter Strike, everyone. And not only that, they had used to have always two teams in the top five. They'd have Fnatic and Nape, and then they'd maybe even be like the others on the come up, the Disco Doplins and the Drakens of the world. And then what happened was Denmark took over 
for that status. And Denmark at its best used to have three top 10 teams. You'd have like whoever Carrigan was leading, potentially. So that used to be TSM, whatever. If Glaive was there, you could have an MSL team. Obviously, at times you could have a snappy, like you could have, you could actually have three full Danish teams. Whereas in the modern era, the problem is Heroic was supposed to be actually the org that's at the level that Astralis is now in terms of like how you spend and save. But their t lineup got too good. And so everyone's been waiting. And like, we'll obviously make this point soon. But I think that the reason why the Yabby move isn't that great anyway is because it's not that sexy, is it? It's like, what the fuck? We're already like top five again. That's where that has to be device coming in. That has to be like Blame F coming in, mate. Like, it can't be like not even the best player from Copenhagen Flames. Like, what? Like, like those moves aren't sexy. Like, those aren't the ones in sports that you think take you to the top. So unfortunately, the scene does seem like very different from the North days and the Astralis days and all those periods in the past. It doesn't feel like we're going back to that. So yeah, I find it kind of sad in itself because I also think if you look at the scene right now, I don't think they've ever been in a worse spot ever in... Because, like, realistically... Heroic right now, by the way, is in a slump if people haven't seen. Like, they don't look like they're in an elite team. They don't look like they're, they've, never, they've never made good and won the championships on land anyway. Astralis is sort of decent, but as I'm saying, like, I feel like the vitalities of the world will just nudge them down in the rankings. They'll be like eighth or ninth or something, you know. And then you look at the rest of Danish CS, you've got to consider this, right? Valde and fucking Carrigan and Device don't play in any Danish teams right now. They're all talent you'd all want in some of these squads. Dupree and Magus aren't in Danish teams right now. Zonic isn't in a Danish team right now. Like, yeah, like you have to make use of your talent for fuck's sake. Like, like the joke is like half the Danish scenes like propping up non-Danish CS at this point in time. So I just feel like, unfortunately, I, I would have to bring it all back to what you say, Mary, like the business angle. Basically, there's going to have to be some team that has both the money and the ambition to do this. Because unfortunately, the one that I feel thinks really gotten a weird pass is the heroic one. Because remember, heroic, the team that got to the top with the old line with Borup in 2020 when they were number one. I always used to say, that's amazing. Because if you know that org, people were getting paid like 7K a month in that team. Like that was not a big team. And even those signings, like the Borups of the world, they're not top players. You, you make, you're working with tier two, low tier one people, and you made a, a team that could go to number one. But you know, the story last year was the whole thing of they were bought out by this bigger company and they've got money now and like, oh, it's serious. And, and that was even supposedly, by the way, why heroic players weren't going to go to Astralis because they don't need to go. They can get the salaries now. But the one thing you haven't seen from either Astralis or heroic is nobody seems willing to spend big for a big player. Like you never even hear them in rumors. Like the rumor of device coming back is largely just because he used to be in Astralis. It's not like it's the most obvious place that would sign him. And in fact, the current rumour, now that says that he's talking to multiple teams, the implication is it's explicitly not Astralis now almost. Like, that's what people are taking from that. So I don't think this resolves, quite frankly. I feel like it's just going to play out like this for the rest of the year. It's actually the one area in CS I think it's a bit of a bummer. Like, I don't know that Danish CS is going to be that great. Feels like it's sort of gone off the boil. Yeah, By the way, as, as an aside, I had one thing I did want to say about that initial thing you said about like being in the four finals and how like you, uh, you're you more in the maniac category for era of like nice to them. I almost <laughs> think in some messed up way, right? Because th this is what's wild. When I used to do events with Pimp years ago, he would always give the straight fire like fucking hot take in the green room, but then never on stage. And I always used to tell him, stay up. I used, to, I used to get so mad because he'd go on stage, right, for example, and give the really respectful like professional thing like, yeah, actually, Team Liquid probably should win this game actually they, they are the better team right now but then in the green room he'd just be like Astralis is going to get them this time gonna... I'm like where was that energy on stage but what's the joke is I feel like this is all about balance though because that's when it was like when I'm next to him I notice when he's next to you and Maniac because your whole thing's like yeah it's all brilliant everyone's good and the game's going to be awesome then Pimp's just like 
What if simple's the problem in Navi? Shit, did I say that? Oh, right, fuck it. It's like, favorite, it's like you, you pushed it. Uh, but, uh, listen, that, that will never, <laughs> that is one of the greatest, because what's mad is, it's a pure abstract, it's a great point, but like, you know fans are never going to take that, bro. Like, I know, like, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, God, what has he done? What has he done? Like, but that's what I mean. I, I almost feel like he, th- that, that's like the balance. It's just pushed, he's, he's become the extreme one now, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he will always, like, he'll jump in front of a train for a narrative. Like, that's what I love about working for Pimp. He will just put yes. his whole career on the line for just say you know what i'm gonna make this spicy like i'm gonna throw something at you yes. see how maniac reacts to it as well and i think that's something that he's yeah. really developed too he can kind of yes. throw the shit back sometimes yes. um which is great like it's really good that I, I think that's one thing i really enjoy about working blast as well is like the fact that we grow with such a dynamic of like obviously they get a lot of the similar people a lot of the time but sure. it's cool to kind of be able to vibe off of each other a little bit more like when you get a bit more comfortable and i guess the same thing with yes yeah, so i'm probably great because you guys work with each other for such a long period of time um, too much time with Blair shift, and Paula. Baby. <laughs> five weeks, five weeks straight with Blair and Paula. It's gonna be a lot. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah, Man, that, no, that yeah, sounds yeah, like we... something that happens in Guantanamo Bay. Something like five weeks with Paula and Blair. Like, no, oh, please, I'll tell you the location, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. No, it's great. Yeah, we get to know each other really well. You do get to build a dynamic with that. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, here's the thing, yeah. Maui, because we could easily segue here. Because spoiler, obviously, yeah. she. I here's the thing. When she wrote it, she mainly wrote about the Bass Fall angle. Like, I didn't know she was going to bring the Abbey, because his thing, basically, Maui's point was, like, the Abbey move hasn't worked anymore. Ah, so okay. We can yeah. sort of, if you want, segue to just some of that. I mean, I, I'll, I'll just bring up a couple couple things I noticed with Yabby is that, I mean, the big line was when Shush said, we just wanted more than what Refresh was giving, more or less. Like, that. that's, I, I mean, not word for word, but whatever. He said they wanted more than what Refresh had. Kind of a weird sentiment, though. Yeah, because Refresh was... He had a bit of a fall off, I'd say. Like he had this basically like three months where he just wasn't playing very well. His rating went down to I think like 0.9 or something, right? It was it was not great. It was it didn't look that good. But like Yabby hasn't really delivered for me, and I almost feel like they just kind of picked a player from Copenhagen Flames that they knew was available for again not too much of not too crazy of a price tag, and then they just took him in roles that he didn't even really play. Like Yabby wasn't a lurker for Copenhagen Flames and now they're making him do that for heroic and that's just like it hasn't panned out. Like if you look at if you look at even some of the numbers like Yabby had a 0.71 rating on the T side at Cologne. Like the dude does not know his positions. Like and so and actually at the at Blastfall like he had to play <coughs> on CT side a bunch of new spots too and he had the worst CT side rating of everybody on heroic. Like he's very skilled but when he was in his positions with Copenhagen Flames and this is almost opposite to the Sphinx angle we just had where it was like Sphinx despite the fact that he's playing all these new angles has shown that he can thrive. Yabby for me has not shown that at all. And I think that is it's very different when you're taking a guy well I guess Sphinx was not the most experienced player either, but like Yabby very much so seemed to thrive in particular situations where he's just not finding himself in those sort of spots with Heroic. I think um, Maniac brought up a really good point on the desk as well when we were kind of discussing the integration <coughs> of Yabby, which was like, he, he it was I think it was after that Shush interview with that sort of answer, like we just wanted more and it was nothing too specific. Like they weren't mm-hmm. saying, you know, this is a thing that we realized we're missing. And he was questioning like, I wonder whether they have these internal issues and they've kind of just mapped them perhaps onto refresh and thought, you know, oh, we just need to change one player and then everything will go away. But like, actually, maybe it's just kind of time to turn the mirror on yourself and go like, actually, what, you know, what are we struggling individually with? Like, Cadian's form has like definitely dropped if you're looking at the numbers too. Um, Not saying that, you know, they should kind of be the team, but it's just interesting 
with the interviews really reflecting that of like, you know, oh, what was it specifically that you wanted Yami to bring? And it's kind of quite generic, quite general answers from a lot of the team, which is a shame because um, I think something that impressed me about her work, even though, you know, it didn't really come to fruition was like Stan's like vocal input in the team. Um, there was a couple of rounds that he was calling. I think it was one, it was one where they won versus big, I think the second time around that they played Nuke. And it was a final round and they were on two sides and he made a really good call and they, they won the map. And that was something that I was like, you know, oh, that's like reads really good signs, right? But then it's all the other aspects of the team. I'm just like, I just, yeah, kind of lackluster, kind of un uninspiring. And I think the Yabby swap maybe was just kind of to try and fill holes that maybe he isn't designed to fill kind of echoes what you're saying about like the roles and the positions and stuff. I think the point you make about like potentially like projecting all the other problems onto that one guy, like, first of all, if people don't know, that is literally what the premise of a scapegoat is. I don't think people get like, they know the term, but they don't understand like that actually comes from like Middle Eastern tribes. What they would do when they were these nomads in the desert is they would perform a religious ceremony where you take an actual goat and it, you parade it through all the people in the town. And what you do is everyone in the town sort of like curses it like, oh, like, fuck you. Like, oh, the crops don't grow. Like I didn't have a chance. Literally, this is what you do. And everyone puts like sort of their negative energy onto it and then you take it out and in this case because you're in the desert essentially exile is a death sentence like if you just put it out there it's the same as killing it it's going to go out in the desert it's going to get killed and then the premise is some sort of like regenerative process that you know it's going to bring back the good energy to the city or whatever so the idea is you're doing it as an actual way this is what people don't get you're dismissing something in a way to bring the rest of the group that isn't that together it's like a bonding exercise basically and it makes you think you've gotten rid of the bad juju you've gotten rid of what wasn't good so the joke is i actually think that's what all teams do when they make these one player changes what they basically do is exactly that they find a way to be like right in some way it was all that guy and it's like and if yeah. we just replace him everything else is fine you're fine i'm fine and here's the problem i have with that actually your years of experience in team games tell me that with the exception of rare cases like this actually might be like what i was talking about with sphinx earlier the reason why a sphinx one might be the exception to the rule is even though you've only replaced one player like i say i think it shifts some of the other roles around for the other people so it's sort of like multiple changes because i think anytime a team doesn't hit its actual potential and especially if it's ever failing it's never one player like it's not like refresh just didn't frag and that made the whole team collapse you could see there was more problems than that they have other issues in the team clearly so in the short term i do agree i think they thought too much like if you just get refresh out and get anyone else in, it'll be great. It's like, there was bigger problems than that, mate. Like, all of a sudden, Cadian doesn't have the best op in the world because refresh is gone. Also, people did make the refresh angle. Like, this is how you knew it was Corpium because people really liked him as a personality. He had a cool angle and he had, like, even a cool story. But it's when people kept telling me that, like, they tried, they almost made it sound like his role in, Re in Heroic was to win 1v5s. Like, that's, that's not a role, is it? That's just something he did a few times that was really cool. Like, yeah, he might chuck him in, but that's not a role. Like, it's not the designated clutch or whatever. It's not baseball they didn't bring him in as the claws like like refresh shut him down like oh okay like <laughs> i know like he's just, he's just playing just badly anyway. yeah i know exactly <laughs> like no one can do that spoiler and then the other angle i would say on this movie is that's the other reason i said maui snake that it's I, it sounds like a harsh disc, but he wasn't even the best player on Copenhagen Flames. Like, one, Copenhagen Flames looked to me so obviously like a team that was like a unit. That's, they all just yeah, came yeah. together. I don't believe individually any of those players is, is super duper sick. I think they're all decent. I think, actually, if anything, that's probably why Hooksy got his gig. He looked like he brought them all together and made like a unit out of them, and they did way better than they should have with those players. If you even go and look at the majors, the players that like pop off don't do it in other tournaments. That's, those are one offs. So, to me, what's weird is I actually thought the best two players were like, if you just want like a pure player, it's probably the Nikodos 
guy that went to Fnatic. But yeah. I assume they didn't want to risk their AWP angle with Cadian yet, which for some reason... By the way, that conversation is going to come one day for Heroic, whether it's now or later. But they keep delaying it because obviously they want Cadian to keep both of his roles. And then the other one was like, actually, it's Roy, the old guy yeah. from Mad Lions. Like, there's another one. Mate, I feel like you put him in this team. Wouldn't he immediately be like a good, good fucking player to add to this team? You could do so much. You could move so many spots around, create space for other people. So to me, that even makes me feel like... How do these players end up in Fnatic? If people don't know, those weren't massive signings by Fnatic. That's sort of them just gambling on a weird lineup themselves. So I don't really know how these teams have ended up in this spot. Because as I say, I'm told Heroic has all this money, but I don't get the vibe when I look at them in the transfer market, what they're doing. It doesn't even feel, by the way, like they have the same pressure on them that Astralis does even. Everyone actually seems fine with whatever results Heroic throws up. If it's good, it's great. If it's not, everyone's like, ah, oh. it's almost like people forget they were bought out and they're like, well, it's just Heroic in it, so it's all right. It's like, which is it? Are they supposed to be world class? Because to me, by the way, ever since Spain basically 2021 they should be a top five team you had the pieces there to be consistently top five and i have to say i think you should have won a trophy by now there should have at least been yeah. one weekend where well, everything came together stone had like the greatest performance if that, if that hasn't happened once i feel like there's still something wrong with the team to me yeah you, i mean you, you only have the one pinnacle one that they won which was oh the small one yes of course yeah yes. yeah like i actually forgot one. i actually keep forgetting those lands happened that one in like dubai and then this one yeah it's true. One, there were some small lands then, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's even worse, dude, because when they won that, I remember they even, that was even like the headline, wasn't it? Like, good to finally win a trophy. And I was like, it's not, listen, Cadian. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, prestige exactly. level. Actually, now that you mentioned the, the fact that this is a, okay, whatever. It's a bit of a tangent, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm actually it. interested in it. It's just that the, the Fnatic team getting Roy and, and Nikodaz, actually, like, I, I think that team... I mean, are they in anybody's later points? Because I think that team is going to be no, really no. good. I think that team is actually legitimately already quite good. It has good. sleep, put it this way. The problem it has yeah. is it doesn't have a huge name. But, like, if you actually right. know those players, not bad. That's not a bad lineup of players. This is, like, one of the best budget roster put together. Like, basically, this this team might be the new ends in terms of, like, how high it can reach with basically budget pieces. I, I, I am pretty high on them. Yesterday on the broadcast, just after watching one map of them on Ancient and then also having seen some of what they did at, at some of those RMR qualifiers, this, this Fnatic team is better right now than they were last year with or last season with with poison and alex for sure like i they they actually play i think a really good style too i think mezzi is a weirdly good igl like i i didn't expect it but i think he is good he's good okay yeah. Right, let's move on then. Yeah. We'll move on to my bad point. And I actually think, like, I will say part of it's super topical. Like, obviously, if you've been watching, like, in Pro League, you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about here in the Blast showdown. Like, my bad point is I actually think Nip because the whole drama for them also was, will Device ever rejoin? And even though the players, you'll notice, all of this year have either never commented or signaled, like, probably not, or, like, this is the final lineup, or Esotag is the final player. They've basically gone out of their way to sort of say, like, I'm pretty sure, by the way, spoiler behind the scenes, they know he's never coming back. Like, it's, it's just known at this point in time. The problem is this. I feel like it's given fans false hope, though, because fans keep thinking probably what I was when I thought Device could come back. It's like, this is a pretty good little team, actually. Good rifle call. They make it work, even though they don't have the IG on the upper, if they ever get Device back. But the problem is, if that sentence isn't activated, like, if they ever get Device back, I have to just look at what they are now. And I'm sorry, when I look at what they are now, they've now played together a whole bunch of months. They've played loads of tournaments. They're a known quantity. And the problem I have is, I think they're stuck. And even worse, as other teams are, like, in upgrading, getting slightly better, I think they're going to fall down. Like, this was a team where, for me, they had, like, real dark horse potential at some of these big events, like the last three, four 
four months. The, even their map pool was pretty good. If you remember, once upon a time, they had a really good ancient. Then I thought more recently, they've made such a killing off having an overpass because people don't know. That's the map you can even win off a Na'vi or a Faze. Like, it's actually one of those rare ones that most people aren't emphasising right now. So there was periods where they had reasons they matched up really well. Right now, I think actually they're looking pretty fucking bad across the board. And if you just look in general, like, I don't know why it would turn around. Like, it feels to me like actually they're probably going to be in like low top 10, probably drop out the top 10 if I had to look at it. Like, the rifle core is good, but that's pretty much all they've got right now. Mm. I mean, they lost a map TG, so I think that says it all. That was even the overpass, I think, wasn't it? Wasn't actually yeah, like, well, best they map lost, or something? They lost overpass TG. Like, they got like two crazy. rounds on their T side or something, which is nuts, because yeah. I feel like yeah. back at the major, we were praising, like, oh, DJL's come in, yeah, yeah. Like, really reinvigorated yeah. yes. the T sides, and it looked really good. And then they go and do that, and then they did the same again against, was it a liquid? I think Liquid 2 0 yep. them. And then yep. they did manage to come back in, in, in their last game uh, against Heroic. But it was, yeah, just kind of, I, I, I totally agree with like, even the map pool for them feels a little bit like, I just, they, I just don't really know what to expect from them. They got one T side round yesterday against Fnatic on Overpass. Like, they, I, I, I was setting that up too. Like, they were going to do much better. Like, they lost Ancient very convincingly to Fnatic. And then they played Overpass, which was their own pick against Fnatic. And I was like, okay, they can still win this series. They can yeah, win Overpass. Course. They could probably win Nuke and they could they could close it out. But they just did not show up at, at the door at all. Like, they didn't do anything of note whatsoever. I, I think right now what's weird about NIP is that the when djl came in i think they actually took a really strong step in terms of just having more teamwork in terms of uh and and i thought two things when djl came in one they started using way more teamwork <coughs> and they started trading a lot better on their t sides i started noticing they were playing in packs better it wasn't just this weird hampus kind of like puggy shit that he did a lot in 2021 where it was like yeah maybe hampus has like uh 25 kills but like the rest of the team doesn't know what to do with those kills like nobody understood what what's going on on the map and DJL ironed that out really well, and they, they got really reinvigorated. I noticed Rez started using one-way smokes on, like, every single map, but it's like almost like they, they ran out of tricks. I haven't seen them, like, pull anything out now that, that gets me excited about watching NIP for the last, well, basically since the player break. Any, not really at the fall groups and nothing so far in what I've seen from them at Pro League, and I think that they need to, uh, like, it's... It, when when DJL come, came in, so there were so many sweeping changes that it seemed like everybody got very motivated to bring something to the table, and I, I feel like they're just in a lull right now, mentally speaking, which is probably a little bit of the. I, I wouldn't surprise me if they go <coughs> the route of um, of like uh, of just scapegoating like S attack soon or something like that, and they're just gonna think like, oh, we just need a player change, but. It really wasn't a player change that made you guys good in the first place. It was a coach change and everybody uh, feeling like you're a star all of a sudden. Like, By the way, the imagine being Essetag as well. Like, you yeah. joined when Device was supposed to be that. Right, there's two Danes. It's all right. Look, as long as we all keep speaking Swedish, we're all cool here, guys. Like, all of a sudden, it's <laughs> yeah. like, Dev Device is coming back, right? Yeah, yeah, any minute now. Like, Oh, shit, that's starting to get awkward because, as you say, Maui, yeah. like even if you weren't playing worst, you're the most obvious person to kick out to get Sweden, aren't you? Like, right. that's got to be awkward, hasn't it? I know, like, yeah. I feel like is never lucky. Like, he thought, finally, no. I'm going to be on a stable team. Finally, and it's just like, lol, no. Like, device just... Well, the joke is, he yeah. must have done one of those <laughs> cursed monkey paw scenarios where he got the cursed monkey paw and he didn't think carefully about how you phrased the wish because obviously what he wished <laughs> for is, right, I'm sick of being a journeyman in tier two. What I want to do is I want to play for tier one teams from here on out and I want to get paid some of the highest money in the world. And But the problem is then the cursed monkey paw... It's all true. He plays for all these tier one teams, gets all the money. What he didn't know was he just gets abused and everyone's like, get him on the team, <laughs> fucking sucks. And also, I will yep. say, this is where 
fair, the worst thing that can happen to you in esports is a meme successfully gets attached to you because whoever did come up with that phrase, price tag, right? That word with the three. Whoever, it, first of all, you ruined this guy's career because it's too good. I can't, I can't forget that fucking name now. It's too good. It, that was fire. Whoever came up with that, that was fire. It was just some Reddit right issue, but it was good. That like, angle was fucking funny. Twitch or Redditor or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's some gems in that space. No, because you know when people say it, it's like it's like you're crowdsourcing the idea. It's like yeah, individually people might be stupid, but collectively they'll come up with a really funny fucking angle on that. Exactly. It is monkey typewriter type of theory yes. with with yes. that. Like everything has been put into Twitch chat, and then eventually those one thing that one thing sticks. Indeed. Yeah. Right, the banter's all well and good, and all the interesting industry points and anecdotes from Freer, etc. But obviously, I'm gonna have to give you guys a bet that I think's a good price for you. And I've gone in the pro league for this match here when NIP plays against Ninjas in Pajamas. I think Ninjas in Pajamas is in terrible form. The team looks like it's really in a rut right now. I think whatever they were able to get from their coach, etc., was all well and good. But right now, they are not a team, actually, that's in a position where they're going to beat Na'Vi. Like, that overpass that they potentially could challenge them on, I don't think that's even going to be there right now. They're actually looking like a really a team that's just on the down, I'm afraid. So Na'Vi still looks amazing. The firepower is incredible. So to get Na'Vi at 1.452 odds, like you very rarely are going to get them to win a land best of three like that. So I'm taking the Na'Vi side. I'm going to go easy, Na'Vi. In fact, I'm going to go big boy. I'm going to go 1,500. That's how confident I am. I win. I don't think NIP's winning this. The S-Attack situation isn't working out. IGL-wise, they look a little bit stuck, as in that T-side. It's not quite as good as it was earlier in the year. So, Na'Vi is a very easy team. They're a very safe team to bet on right now. I think in best of three land performances, when simple's there. I think they're going to win this one, quite frankly. Let's get back to the episode. Right, let's go on then. So obviously we have one section left, which is the ugly section, which I actually think is probably actually the best format on the show because the key thing about ugly is it can be interpreted so many different ways. It basically, the joke is the last one's like, whatever point you want, just make it vaguely negative. So uh, what have you picked for this? Now, I will say, you have come, you've gone straight into the heartland of like ugly, like things right now that are fucked up for us. So what, what are we going with for the ugly one here? Um, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, evil geniuses. I I just, just I like to it's, it's just evil geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ugly geniuses. Just, yeah, yeah. They should rebound to that because I, I I just don't I don't get it. I don't get like I, I was really happy that we were seeing you know them taking a different approach, like bringing in like two extra squads and maybe having the sort of dynamic around like oh we can pick this player up from here and kind of try and make the main squad around this. Um, and that was nice to see after, I don't know how many blasts, uh, well, particularly showdowns, obviously groups as well, because they're a partner team, where we're just on the desk and we're like, it's the same freaking narrative as we're always talking about. Are EG going to do anything? No, they go to the showdown and then they lose out in the showdown. So I was happy that we saw a change, even though it's kind of a, you know, it, it, it's a cool approach, especially with like North American CS. Um but I still don't feel like anything actually changed from what we saw of them at groups. Like, cool that they got Neil on, obviously, as in-game leader, but then Banks did an interview with him, and it was just really clear that, like, they just kind of grabbed somebody and put them in here and thought, okay, maybe a different, you know, region coming in might give some new ideas, might flourish things a little bit. Um, but it just felt kind of the same flatness that we've seen with previous EG. Um, and I think particularly as when they got... Um, they got eliminated from the showdown back in spring, back in April. We were like, right, they actually don't have anything to compete in until the full group. So they've got all these months to try and do something, to try and rebuild, to try and, you know, maybe maybe it's just my nostalgia calling for Circ and Breeze, right? Like hopefully having them come back and do something. Um, but it just didn't feel like 
anything happened and anything really changed with them despite having all of these different changes coming in and then it was obviously i don't know the reasons behind this but um, they obviously had rush playing in the best of one stage and then uh, automatic came back in for the best of three but we didn't really get to see much of it because they obviously got eliminated really early um so i think maybe i I don't know maybe this is more of a personal one of like perhaps we're going to see something change and we just didn't and then when you look at the stats i think there's like three uh, in the bottom five players at the groups three of eg players were in there all of them were in the bottom 10 uh, lowest rate players. So I don't know. It just felt a little bit flat. And I think that is a shame when we're trying to, you know, maybe like having liquid resurge in sort of the North American scene, obviously with Yekinda's help. But I was kind of hoping that perhaps we'd see a bit of a resurgence of NACS. But yeah, a bit heartbreaking. It, it, it does read like the the poor man's liquid pretty hard where yeah. you have you have these kind of guys that were stars whereas for liquid you have Elise and Nath for EG you kind of hope that's that's supposed to be Cirque and Breeze but they're just so much like they just don't compare at all and then you have uh, you bring in a young gun like how liquid did with OC EG do it with Hex you bring in a guy even from Eastern Europe in Yakindar and they're trying to do it with Neelan. It's all like they they took the same formula, but they just everything got lost. By the way, that was going to be my joke. I was saving. Like basically, uh, uh, the joke is it's yeah, like if yeah, you imagine no the EG execs are just you know like out of touch. It's one of those yeah. boardroom scenarios where they're like, <laughs> "Sir, Liquid's just got a top player from an Eastern European team. Like, get me my Eastern European player." It's like <laughs> yes, here we are, Neelan. Like, what the f- who the fuck is it? I vaguely remember the name, but like you know, because that one was completely out. Listen, if people made fun of them signing NA players, that one, I if you. When I saw that news, I was like, what? How yeah. does he even know them? How, how have they even got in contact with Neil? I think it was what literally a Discord message. He was like, yeah, one of the AG execs sent me a Discord message and asked if I wanted to join. He didn't think it was serious at first. I like the, yeah, I like the way now EG execs are at the level of Discord spam. Like, Hello, <laughs> sir, I am from Evil Geniuses Organization. Would like to sign you to like... I just I ignore it, that, wouldn't you? I, know. I literally think that's a scam. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like look at look at the uh, the groups or the, the the server that that person was in with me, and it's some crypto server or something like that. It's like oh exactly. okay, well get that out of here. But I, I I think like one I actually think like this. I think I think this EG team can become something if you take all fifteen of their their players and and like put together the best roster there. But it, it is like really hard to tell what that is. But it's probably more like the party astronaut side of players where you have. Uh, I mean that that team is actually almost almost put together as good of results, if not better, than the actual EG proper team, which is just mm. embarrassing at this point. But if you basically just take out maybe one person from there, put in automatic, and you take out, I don't know, another guy, and you put in, if you want to try try out this hex guy, you can you can do that. And I already think this team might straight up just be better. They're going to be more invigorated. They're going to, like, it's going to put in automatic into a new situation where he's going to bring a lot of experience and veteran, veteran uh, just wherewithal. And... There's something that's possibly brewing, but it's a long way from the final stages of, of this fermentation. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Because like, that's another thing I find so weird. Even like when they initially announced they were adding those two other squads, it initially made sense because I thought the whole premise was you would just come out with like a strict labeling. Like, right, this is the Academy squad. This is like, I don't know, like the farm team. That could be like the party astronauts one. Then this is like the main team. And I thought even the premise was like not a bad one, which is like as long as you play in the separate divisions and leagues, like the idea would be, you know, the main team would play in random open qualifiers that aren't blast or whatever. And then the farm team would play in we play or the Academy team rather. Yeah. If you did 
did it like that. You could even sort of have like a real like promote and relegate people. Like the idea is, this is even a good angle, by the way. Say Cirque isn't having a good get. But you could just put him on like the farm team for six months and let him get his shit back together, figure out how to use him. And then you bring him back. And the idea is instead of, because this is one of the problems in CS right now, is anytime you sell or get rid of like one person who used to be good, the last thing you want is he goes to another team and figures his shit out and like revives his career. And then you're like, fuck, I could have had him in my team, but I just couldn't get through like three months of bad results, basically. So they clearly do want to somehow rehabilitate Circuit Breeze. Like, people know the story now that's been leaked about how much they make. And also, like, it, it's just the default thing that we all say because we all remember what they were like in 2019 online and how fucking insane they were. And in fact, people even forget in 2020 the period they had with Zeus where they was tearing up NH, dominating every single tournament. Like, it's only a couple of years ago, but the problem is all of the last year was the same story. It was like, right, give Circuit Breeze more time. They're the ones that are going to make it. Then this year, same thing. Like, just put other people around them. Like, at some point, those players themselves are going to have to be held accountable. Like, they just, they've just never gotten it together. And unfortunately, like, I'm not the one who spread these rumours, but I get the feeling the community, this is almost leaked out, Maui. Like, it, the vibe the community has, I don't think they're wrong. The vibe is sort of like those players are a bit checked out. Like, they don't, yeah. Breeze especially just sort of seems like ever since we went online, it didn't seem like the same player. Because if people don't know, when I met this guy in 2019, when he was killing it on NRG and then EG, he actually was a really motivated player. Like, dude, he actually had the sort of drive back there. Like, like, I do want to beat Astralis and be better. Like, he had that sort of thing. I know it's because before we had the whole online period that affected many, many people's mental situations and what they're doing in their career. And CS is different now. But even so, like, that story is, it, I, I'm kind of soured on it. It's a bit, it's kind of a sad situation. Like, I thought if you give these guys enough chance, they will bounce back. Whereas that's the key thing like to bring it back I don't know what the premise of EG is now because instead they didn't label those teams instead they've done it almost like we just have like 15 players now it's like so do they move between teams it's like does one team like for example another thing I don't get is if you are on like whatever they consider the worst of the three like, is there a way you can ever move up? Are you supposed to ever be the main EG? I, that's the way I don't get. I don't, it's almost like this is just to confuse us. Like, this is just distracting. It's worked in a way, but at the same time, like, I don't know how you ever get closer to having a tier one team. That's the part I'm confused about what the approach is. I don't really understand what, like, and the messaging is very unclear as well. I don't really get that either. It's like the red herring here is that we're talking so many about so many of these other as aspects that they're failing it's at. It's work that then. That we're, that yeah, we're not go, okay. talking about the okay. failing. Well played. Checkmate. You, you, you got that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in a way. Yeah, true. All right. What about this then? So Maui, here's the thing. Yours is a fucking edgy one. So just go for it. What is your ugly team? Bear yeah. in mind, you do get most of your work from ESL right now. Go on. What is your <laughs> ugly take, Maui? Okay. My, my my ugly take is just the fact that and this is this is the way i'll frame this before i even be, say the the main point of this is that people get viewer fatigue people oh, will eventually sure. turn on their favorite casters their favorite everything if they just see too much of it and what we're in right now is a 70 day stretch where the entire calendar is dominated by esl events the pro league uh, the RMR and the Major all coming up for essentially the next two months and change with oh, the only... I hadn't even thought about the RMR, you're right. Yeah, all the tournaments are just ESL. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And so what's going to happen is that by the time, in my opinion, by the time the Major rolls around, so many, unless, unless, and I, I don't know, they could do this. ESL could do this. Unless they change all of the assets, the graphics, make everything look so visually striking and different for the major, what's going to happen is so many people are just like, 
yeah, I've already been watching this kind of thing. I've already been watching the. I've already been watching Pro League. I've already seen the RMR. I know how all these graphics look. I know how this HUD looks. Because when the major rolls around, even though you know it's like PGL and there's some things that might be worse, it's different. It looks different. There's oh, a little yeah, bit of a, sure. a visual pop to it that, and then people will kind of you know they'll they'll express their complaints, their concerns about what they don't like about it. And the thing is that if ESL just keep pushing the same exact UI that we've been looking at, and we hear the same voices and everything then then people will maybe like it's almost like the casual fans will still tune in because they're, be, they're going to be excited that it's a major but so many of the regular fans might tune out because they think i don't know i've already kind of been watching this exact same programming for the last two months yeah okay. no i think uh i i think like especially when you look at epl um in terms of how they've changed from like previous epl and having like the groups and such like <coughs> Uh, with you know the different teams competing at different times i think that was like obviously a real big push in the players right of saying like we can't we, we need some time off or we need time back at home um so i think that was kind of like a positive change they make and like i think something else that like just working at esl events a lot more obviously recently um i was like present uh, pleasantly surprised by like the content uh like attitudes towards it and i think like that was obviously back when we were doing flashpoint um the sort of approach to that, I felt like maybe put pressure on other TOs to. Oh, you think they've leveled up in that regard? That's why they're yeah. making more skits and stuff. One hundred percent, and it was like actually the freedom and flexibility that <clears throat> even I had, like just doing interviews and stuff, was really cool. So I hope that that is something that is then mapped on to obviously the RMR, hopefully EPL as well. Like obviously we saw the the heavy GNRs win, which was fun. Um, but I think that's like maybe an aspect that I would look for. Uh, you know, them to continue doing to kind of make it a bit more distinct that we're going from EPL now to an RMR. Because um, the RMR isn't quite like a short period of time, right? It's only like... I think so, yeah. Like six, five, six days six or something? Days. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'd hope that... I mean, and, and that's if the broadcast time allows for it as well. Um, but yeah, that's something I'd kind of hope that they would use and continue to do um, to sort of make that distinguishment between between each kind of different product, as it were. By the way, people always make out like I'm making edgy shit, Maui Snake. I've never made a skit where someone's actually in like a fucking church with like Jim dressed as a priest, <laughs> just like, fucking hell, that, that was edgy as fuck. People don't realize. <laughs> all right, all right then, okay. They're depicting They're depicting how Jesus looks, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's better, isn't it? Like, it's kind of hell? a brown guy too, so it's kind of forward thinking, actually. It was pretty wild, wasn't it? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just think that I, what I what I just fear from the, all of this is that people are too inundated with with how ESL shapes their broadcast so much so that the the major has a worse viewership turnout just because I, right. I mean that's it's possible that people just are like another ESL broadcast but but I I mean like the thing is that major the major always does draw a, a great audience because people hear about it from other sects of esports or anywhere on the internet really but so I'm I'm you know crossing my fingers hoping for the best there but. I just know that there's going to be a lot of hardcore viewers that are like, "Man, eh, that major wasn't that special because they, they've been watching that exact same broadcast for five weeks before that. That's, yeah, that's a fair point, actually, because that's the part I hadn't clocked in is that obviously since they're doing the RMRs as well, they really do just dominate the whole calendar now. Like it felt to me like, oh, it's just Pro League and then the major. It's like, it's everything. Like basically, until it's not until after the major we do Blast again, right? That's when we but just re return to the full finals. There's, there's one showdown. Eventually. Oh, yeah, right, it's in the, in the gap, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, a showdown. But that's online though, right? Early. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be like remote, I guess, and people are doing, okay. I think yeah, it's, it's studio, studio with probably, it, yeah, I mean, in studio, in studio. For, but then the players are going to be online. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because there's just yeah. so many teams. Like, imagine flying one team from, like, I don't know, Australia and then them getting eliminated in day one. You know, that's the part people forget limit. about as well. People keep forgetting that the showdown is online. They forgot this last year as well, I remember, uh, like early in the year, because the reason why they forget it is, I saw people making all those comments where, because the actual blast groups themselves are so, like, sort of, like, generous in how many chances you have to survive now, they were like, oh, well, they'll just get through the showdown. It's like, that's an online competition. Really. You have no idea who's going to win that. Like, that that's completely throws a wrench in there. There's obviously low-level teams that can beat you and go to the land and be terrible. Like, yeah. Yeah, is everyone forget what the last two years were like? Because <laughs> there's another thing I can't handle, by the way. It's like that whole thing of like where pe- I couldn't have even had this as my point here, but I didn't do it. Like that, the way people were tormenting Astralis for losing those BO1s in those like RMR qualifiers. It's like, bro, do you know how many teams could lose in this if you just threw them in the mix here and on a bad day and then have the wrong team play them and then some yeah. guy just like get like two opening kills on a pistol or something? What do you want? Like, like people were making out for real. Like, like online BO1 is like a perfect like machine to determine how good you are at pro CS. And it's like, well, I can't believe they're losing to this. So what are you talking about? That? That's, that's madness that's like being in the fucking wilderness just fighting post-apocalyptic gangs mate like it's nothing <laughs> like pro CS is it it's like it's, no one knows what's going on there you, you know you know Endpoint was one BO3 away from, from making it to the RMR and then they lose the next two uh, qualifiers by they lost it like in the round of 256 to a team called like yellow swag crew 420 and then they lost <laughs> of no, course. Literally, that's literally. perfect that's perfect yes yeah. yes exactly and then, and then some other team called like grigechi or something like i don't i don't even know like these i mean endpoints not like they're not blowing anybody out no, of the water but they right. just had a very competitive game yeah. they're, they're in actually map three right now overtime against spirit and everybody's pr- like throwing all this praise at spirit like sure. th- but it's land it's land it's so different like people <laughs> people just show up in a completely different way yeah yeah i think that's one thing that like scares me about this showdown as well is that pain gaming made it to lisbon by being furia last yeah. showdown yep it was oh, absolutely yeah. insane like the, yeah. the broadcast was like super delayed and we all like the people from uh like there's a lot of people from london that fly out to to copenhagen for like any blast event really and we always get a 7 a.m flight back from copenhagen to london the following day um and it gets to midnight and we're like right okay we're about to start because they're you know just the games have been really long we're about to start the final game of the day and it's furrow pain and everyone's like furrow just gonna two zero then they're gonna absolutely smash them um and then pain are up like eight zero or something stupid and we're like right okay but like furrow you got to make this quick because otherwise like we're actually gonna miss our flight like it's like approaching like two three a.m in the morning we're like go on do it and then Payne managed to choose zero of them. And it's just like, actually, anything can happen in those environments. Yeah. Um, which is which is nuts. Yeah. Super nuts. Oh, it's wild. Right, obviously, the last point then is going to be my ugly point. And I actually picked a very careful one about this. And it's actually topical because right now, if people don't know, in Valorant, they are doing their world championship. They have the event called Champions at the end of the circuit that you qualify through from all the other events. They're, theirs is kind of weird because it's like they have like two majors and then they have like a world championship on top of that. So it's actually almost like, it's a very unique structure in that regard. It's almost more like some uh, different sport or something. Like it's not Dota, really sports. Dota kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. It's actually that. similar to that. But this yeah. is the one thing that's doing my head in. Even Valorant, which, by the way, because it's a Riot game, typically, if you don't know, Riot in League of Legends actually is super hesitant to ever bring good formats in. Like, their World Championship, I think, is terrible. Like, it's singular lame. Like, the way they do the seedings, which is based on regions, which means it's not properly seed. Like, there's all sorts of problems, right? Because they have, like, a different vision of what esports is. So I, I never thought they would ever be ahead of CSGO. But if you look at the format for this Valorant Champions, it's what everyone has wanted for the major in ages. Like, you do groups that are GSL best of three. 
So everything's totally legit. You can't ever get like tiebreakers. You can't have that stupid thing where I actually yeah. win as many points as you do, but you won one more map against a different opponent with more rounds. All that stuff that we hate that decides games. You're just a normal GSL. You get it through or you get done. Then the playoffs are double a limb. It's a oh, double yeah. limb playoffs. So that, well, if people don't know, even if you change nothing else, like double a limb in the playoffs, I think in CSGO would take us to the next level. I think that would be like what would make CSGO the ultimate game because it's what people, it's what things like TI have offer us. That that will always be one of the most popular storylines at TI, the team that makes the lower bracket run. And there've obviously even been teams that won TI doing that. So like, in my opinion, if you ever added that to a CSGO major and the point is you could have that epic match between like, like the last major, the obvious one was like Heroic and Na'Vi in that like quarterfinals where like Heroic almost, like if they can play again in like a lower bracket match, that would be so fucking hype. Who wouldn't watch that it'd be it'd be insane to watch obviously you could even have a rematch of the final you could have had Navi run it back against face like I feel like that if we could just take that bearing in mind it's now in the like competitive game to CSGO if we can ever have that that's why I put it in ugly because unfortunately I suspect Valve like they don't watch this shit they don't care about this sort of things they're not really in the same headspace we are in esports I don't know that they would care about it but it's one of those things where it's like it's one thing if Dota has it but like can't we have what Valorant has for fuck's sake can't we have double a limb I just want it for the major so badly how long does that like? I'm not super familiar with like. I don't really watch any Valorant or anything. How long does that take? Like, as an actual like, how how long do they have designated for that event? Because I feel like that's always been the argument with like NCS has been like, oh, we just take too long. But like, I yeah, but how, we waste like, our time with NCS is all the Swiss systems. We do yeah, all those yeah. giant fucking Swiss systems where you play a billion games, don't you? So I mean, it is only like two it. weeks. I just looked. At yeah, it. so it's, it's not, not long. actually any. Yeah, it's not actually no. Any because here's the other thing as well. What you also do is obviously once you're in the playoff phase, you're playing like every day if you're in the lower bracket, for example. You, mm. just, you move through that pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, I, I think the thing is that what, the way I, my kind of counterpoint to this is that in in at least some of the more recent majors, I never felt like the and and this is like, I mean, it could have easily changed, but I mean, I never felt like the result in terms of who won it was unjustified. Where like if if we got double a limb, I would have or basically like if you picked phase before. Uh, the most recent major, I, I I think that was kind of like the favorite, and then they ended up winning. It, but if in CS there were more just like crazy upsets, like if there were more PGL, Krakow, Gambit winning majors, then I'd be like, yeah, maybe we should be using double limb. But in as it as it stands right now for the last two majors, I think that the best team won those majors. So I'm not too, I'm not like in. I don't need double a limb for majors as it stands today in terms of like just looking back at recent. I mean, my counterpoint to that would be that's the point of the single limb tournament though. It just decides who the best team is. Like the double a limb helps you sort the rest out. Now you can figure out who the second best team is, who the third. At the yeah, moment, like what happens, mm, what, yeah, what, yeah. what determines if you're second best in a major? Like in my opinion, that G2 team that got the that's second at PGL, sorry, they weren't the second best team. They just got the right bracket. They just got the yeah, bracket. I think... They had to play what fucking Nip and then Heroic who would never do anything and then they were in the final. Like, like they were actually yeah. second like I don't know like here's the thing as much as everyone laughed at the gambits of the world and vitality for not being able to beat Na'Vi I'd like to see them against G2 on that fucking LAN spin that back around show me them in a low bracket final mm. maybe vitality could beat them maybe maybe gambit could have even come alive and beat them who knows right yeah, I guess it would give a lot more credence to anybody that comes like top four yes. at a major. Where and then and then actually, uh, I mean, I'll tell you the, the I'll tell you the team yeah. that would have benefited the most from the last major. Imagine if Spirit in the lower bracket also proved it. Yeah, yeah, they they, are. They, yeah, true. Yeah, imagine if they, they were feel, the third team, they would be fucking banging, right? 
that would have felt more legitimate than what yeah. they did at the major. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where it felt yeah, much yeah. more fluky. I, I'll say, like, one thing that could actually come from that and having a double limb that is that when they do the invites back to the the major where they, like, bring... They used to bring people back to, like, the legend stage or, like, uh, how, however they, like, sort that... You used that to basically out. just come one phase before where you finished. So if you were legends, you just got into the top 16 next time. If you were top yeah. 16, you went to the major qualifier, which now is week one. It used to just be that you qualified for the phase before where you ended. Right, and so what I'd want for the top four teams, if they legitimately prove that, is that they would just get slotted back into the legend stage. There's another thing I, you could do. Yeah, that'd be want, legit, right? Yeah. I don't want Navi to have to and FaZe to have to play no, the Mars and all that again. Yeah. Like, it, it feels kind of like a waste of time, but, but for me, yeah. But and it it also just gives the chance that they actually lose, which I, no one wants that, right? But mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. That's all. That's uh, so. I, I guess I guess for seeding for seeding two through eight, I, I I would appreciate the idea a lot. Now, what do you think, Frey? Because if people remember, technically Blast does use double a limb, especially the finals. Yeah. Um, I, I think I hadn't thought about the point of the actual ranking the rest of the competition, which I think is always something that, like kind of how, how you said, Mary, just kind of le legitimizing that outside yeah, yeah. of you know, the top one, the top two. I think that would be like a really positive spin on things. I'm interested to, like, I'm actually go and check some like of this round of stuff out because i i feel like finding the perfect format has always been so tricky oh, especially sure. in cs like there's just been I, I mean just even thinking just purely from majors from that standpoint like the amount of different formats we went through obviously valve decide the format um of how you know you should be running a, a major um so that's yeah i'd be interested to see if they would actually change any of that but even just outside that like with you know with your EPLs, with when we used to have ecs like there was I think the latter seasons of ECS was to qualify for the finals, you chose whether you wanted to participate in specific weeks and there was just eight slots. So if you were, you were, you know, ranked number one in the world, you had the first choice of whether you want to compete or not in the specific Oh, week. that was right. Where it was the online qualification. Yeah, yeah. That was where famously, like, Liquid didn't qualify to the line when they were in every land. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And it could, because they'd say, you know what, we're going to dodge week two because I think week three will have better teams. And right. it was like, actually, that kind of strategical element of it was like, actually, you know, for, for a league like that was pretty fun, obviously. Yeah, happen. yeah. Like, no one's asking that for the major. I'm not saying that. Um, but, yeah, I think the conversation around formats is always something that's really... Just By the way, really I, I actually think what you're saying now ties into Maui's point before. That's another thing, Maui. One of the other issues is it's if it's also if, if the tournaments have like the same format is when it can also get super dry. Like you want to oh, have yeah. like a mix of that, don't mm. you? Like, like maybe one should be just a single limb. Maybe one should be a double limb. Maybe one is a Swiss yeah. that goes into a, you know, just four teams in the playoffs or something. Like you can also do that to spice it up too. Because yeah. that's one thing I think ESL did. Uh, this is where, like, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Like, when mm -hmm. I used to work with ESL, I used to basically tell them stuff like, I would change the format this way, or what about this? The problem they had, though, is because they're so quintessentially German, if they agreed, they were like, yes, that is good, Thorin. Make every tournament like that with best of five finals and double. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just meant, like, once and try it for, like, one bit. The fuck? And then, they, so even though I like it, they made the whole circuit that, didn't they? And then by the end, the problem was every ESL event had a BO5 final, and then I have to hear, even though I I've only ever advocated Maui for it in the majors though. Everyone has to come to me like you look you think every BO5 is amazing and every match should be BO5. Like, I don't I've never thought that, but I just think they're good when they're really good. So yeah, yeah, you can see how you can have too much of a good thing, certainly. Yeah, I think that's something that I do actually really like about EPL and just in terms of like obviously from my perspective, building narratives is something that is hugely part sure. of my job. Um and having the you know the specific groups of you know these teams are going to be facing off um, you know, for for this specific week and being able to harness in on that and focus on that. I've always 
always been a really big fan of because I feel like you can dive into statistics more. You can, you know, get longer form interviews from people because you have more of an ability to kind of craft those storylines, particularly on the desk as well. Like I love since coming back from COVID, how much, I, I don't know whether this applies for all TOs, but like how much freedom um, I've been given at basically every event I've worked at to say, yo, this is what I want to focus in on. Um, so I think with EPL, that's kind of a positive and also with the, the last one that just happened i know a lot of people were bitching about the best of ones to start off with but i didn't hate that it was essentially just seeding nobody was yes. eliminated like there, there wasn't nothing really happened from that like if we're going to be real um and it was a nice kind of like first taste almost it was like a cheeky taste of like okay we've had some of these roster moves like here's like the almost like the trailer and then you're gonna get the actual movie in the best of three stages which i really liked and the obvious the- joke there being like the trailer for heroic is fucking amazing <laughs> it's too bad the movie sucked eh? you know because <laughs> they did they weren't winning their group like what the fuck yeah yeah, yeah oh, god i forgot they actually won the <laughs> yeah everyone, everyone forgets that one it's wild isn't it? I know. yeah yeah and i liked that we then you know had each day on like here's four teams for this one day i know this is literally just from a broadcast out perspective yeah, yeah. but it's nice to be able to just go, I'm going to focus all my energy on this because this is a, you know, this is a storyline for the day and this is how all the different teams fit into it. Um, so I think, yeah, from a selfish perspective, I kind of currently like the formats that I've sort of worked on. Um, but I would, yeah, I hadn't really thought about your point of actually just ranking sort of the rest of the competition. By the way, even though it's a very cynical take, I also do like low key sort of in a fucked up way enjoy whenever there's a team like EG's new lineup where they're just bringing in players that have no history. Because if you don't know, even though he's mega, he could do his job without doing any research. Because Maniac's whole thing is he is one of those people who's like a studious guy. It's sort of like, right, if I do my preparation, then I know like I've got, I'm secure. Like I know what I'm talking about. It's like he can't have done anything. Like, bro, what are you doing? Like, what are you like? You can't like fucking theory craft how Neilan would play with like circus. You know what I mean? Like, like good luck, mate. I, I, on that segment, the joke is I'm just waiting. Like, let's see what he's going to call for now. Come on, come on, mate. Sit back. Go on, mate. Go on. <laughs> My you just have to talk about your ass, right? Yeah, no. I was, like, speaking to Connor and Mo beforehand and being like, right, I don't know anything about Hex. Like, tell me who Hex is going to be, what he's going to play. Like. And they're like, oh, he's the next Fang. And I'm like, yeah, but we're only just seeing Fang, like, sort of rev up and be kind of good. And even then complexity, you know, bot- bottomed out in that same ranking. So, yeah, yes. yeah. It's kind of a shame that we didn't really get to By the way, I, on that note, I'll even tell you a rad, random anecdote because it's related to Henry G, who obviously we started the show with, which is one time when I did one of those Gfinity events way back, but it wasn't the ones that were like when all, we had Fnatic and Nip and that. It was at the end when they were just doing that Elite series, which was the UK teams, if you remember, like Infused and fucking whoever else was in the UK at the time. It was all these like weird UK squads in a, like not a very good league. Although the joke was, actually, in that league, believe it or not, was like Smooya, fucking Jax, like a whole bunch of people actually became famous players later but no one knew they were going to be any good and that boasting guy from Valorant etc and when we did this week right because this is like this isn't even tier 3 CS boys like this is the period when these teams were probably tier 4 or something and were like just playing qualifiers so because they're not the teams we're ever watching in the pro circuit me and Henry like we're doing all the events but they're just never at these events or they're like the worst team obviously right we didn't know anything about these squads now that's fine for me because I've just fucking freestyle anyway whatever I'll just make a joke or say something silly about a guy's picture or whatever but Henry really wanted to know what he was talking about so backstage what happened was I I won't say who, but a guy from one of the teams that we knew, like from the UK scene, came by. And we were like, hey, 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 come over here. Like, what? 
who the fuck are this team? Like, what are they doing? And what he did is he just gave us, like, you know, like a really quick scouting report. Like, oh, you know, like they'll probably play, like, I reckon, like, probably try and force Mirage. And then, uh, like, you're going to see, like, a lot of very interesting things with the Orp. I think they're going to swap that around a bit. And here's all you need to know, right? When we went to the desk, right? The guy, because it was that Tom Deacon guy who was, like, that, like, fucking comedian. He's actually, like, a stand up comic who was being hired by Gfinity to do the desk. And he doesn't know Count Strike at all. So he's just asking purely, like, open ended questions. You're like, so what do you think is going to happen, Thorin? And so I quickly was like, I think probably uh, probably going to be... I think Mirage could maybe factor into this. And then what I noticed was, like, because Henry, Henry's watching me the whole time, really intently, like, watching my mouth as I'm speaking. And then after I go, like, Mirage, away, and then I go, and maybe... And then I notice he goes, like, yeah, I think actually the Orp will probably play, because he knew I was going to purposely take both points. I was going to... I was intentionally going to do it to just make him just be like, so then what do you think then, Henry? Because then it'd be like... He'd have nothing, right? I'd have literally burned all the points. And then he'd just look like a mog, wouldn't he? Because the joke there is like, it'd look like I actually know the UK. So I don't at all, but like, that's, that's just that's what it's like on fucking talent, unfortunately. That's the world we're in. That's that pretty is good. the world.